0: Welcome to the Retail Media Mogul's podcast brought to you by Platform195. We share trends and strategies across retail media to help you accelerate your brand growth. I'm your host Stuart Adamson. So welcome to the Retail Media Mogul's podcast. I'm your host Stuart Adamson, founder and CEO of Platform195. Today we're privileged to host Minnesota-based David Glazer, It was at Target that David built the foundations of his retail and business career, working across a number of different departments, acquiring skills and gathering an understanding of the business from the shop floor right up to management, global operations, and running the Cartwheel app as business lead. He's gone on to found his own company, Digits, an organization that helps businesses with various retail services, such as navigating and improving their digital coupon strategy, personalization, offer planning, and loyalty programs to drive more sales welcome david to the podcast hello it's great to be here so what time is it over there in minnesota 8 43 in the morning nice and early it's a sort of mid-afternoon over here so you're probably a bit more bright-eyed and bushy-tailed than i am when well, i've got my coffee so we're good to go good so tell us a bit about that time at target i mean i think you said you've been there 14 years you told me just before we came on air so tell me a bit about that time it sounds fascinating
1: yeah, I started at Target fresh out of school. I actually interned there and spent a lot of time there. Like Target brings a lot of kids sort of out of school and does a really good job training them on retail. So I started like a lot of people do as a business analyst and sort of found my way up to the buying side. Touched a lot of businesses all the way from video games to grocery to bedding to candy. That was a lot of fun learning about how to run a retail business. But what brought me here... Is my last couple of years at Target, Target was really focused on growing digital tactics. And so they had started on a partnership with the social team and with Facebook about how to better leverage media to engage shoppers from a loyalty side. And if you rewind yourself, I think it's over 10 years ago now, iPhones were still relatively new, Facebook fans were still relatively new, and Target had this idea of rolling out a coupon app that was sort of personalized and on your phone and mobile. And that's what Cartwheel was at the time. And so my role there was to build the business strategy, understand how it was going to make money, and then understand what kind of deals and coupons we can be running to work back with our vendors to then drive sales lift and volume back into, into Target physical stores.
0: Yeah, just for the purpose of our listeners, just give them a quick overview of what that Cartwheel app is and what it is now.
1: Yeah. At its launch, it was a standalone app on iPhone and Android where there was about 500 different deals might be 50 cents off a box of cereal, 10% off milk, or it might also be 30% off a new TV. So we had a bunch of deals from just about every vendor in the store across the retailers. And it was more like a personalized circular, similar that you're sourcing deals like a flyer or a weekly ad, but it was coupons and it was searchable and it was add the clicks. And then when you come into the store, you would have maybe 20 coupons saved to your barcode, and then you'd scan your barcode and then you would save on all of those individual items. But what really made it new at the time was no other retailer had sort of a scrollable, searchable, saveable weekly ad, if you will. And so that's what it was then. Uh, scaled out really quickly, was a winner almost overnight. I would say the customer really reacted to it really positively fast forward 10 years and it's Target's biggest loyalty program. They changed the name to Target Circle. And it's really the largest traffic driver that if you're a brand kind of into Target that you can use to drive traffic to your products, to your business.
0: Yeah, I think it's the number three shopper app in the USA, isn't
1: it? That sounds about right. When I was there, I used to track that all really closely. But yeah, it used to be always sort of top five. So that, that certainly sounds right. So how was the model working? Were the brands just giving you the
0: Discount and funding the discounts, or were they actually giving a sort of media fee or co-marketing fee on top of that? Or even further than that, were they actually integrating them within a sort of wider retail media
1: campaign? How's that evolved? It works like a coupon, which, if you're not familiar with that space, typically it's a two-part fee model, the coupon world is. One is there's sort of a setup or a clip fee. So there's a little bit of price you pay as a vendor to set it up to kind of get it going. And so Cartwheel was similar that way. And then the other is the redemption side. So in the coupon world, most vendors will pay for the redemption, whether that's 20 cents off, a dollar off, five bucks off, whatever it is, that's typically sponsored by the vendor. So we viewed our role as target was to drive the user and the traffic. Like if we had millions of shoppers in the app, we use budget and money and resources to do that. And then vendors essentially, you know, would activate off of that traffic and try to earn it for their products. And obviously that performs well, right? So
0: does that naturally absorb a lot of that retail media budget then and therefore leave not much left over for anything else? Or do the brands
1: sort of see it as a piece of what they're doing? The brands for at Target, which is now called Target Circle, it is a big piece of the budget but the larger piece at target still is more traditional roundel so roundel is i would say more of a, your traditional retail media in the idea that a lot of grocers have the tactics so both off-site traffic whether that be programmatic social and then also on-site so on-site could be display on-site can be pay-per-click search all those types of off-site and on-site tactics that's still the biggest piece of the budget if you're a brand kind of spending, you know, your retail media budgeting to target, but circle is typically the closest to conversion with the actual being a coupon is somebody, a shopper is specifically adding that to their cart because they're expressing interest and in wanting to save on, you know, whatever that product is. And so your money spent on circle is kind of the lowest funnel and drives the best sort of conversion investment to people that are shopping that category.
0: Yeah. So tell us about your life now, sort of post-Target
1: and life at Digits. You know, how are you helping other retailers? Yeah, so I left Target around eight years ago now to start Digits. And really at the time, retail media itself wasn't even a word, if you will. It was just like digital. But the idea was I could see from my seat at Target that Cartwheel at the time, Target vendor marketing at the time was really providing vendors with levers that they weren't prepared to use. Like the fact that you could run a cartwheel ad or a media program and slice and dice the shoppers and talk to them outside of the store on their phone and try to get them to drive back to the store to actually buy their product. Like that day, like that was amazing to me. Like that ability as a vendor just wasn't there. And so I left to found digits with really at the beginning, its whole goal was to help vendors back into Target and manage their digital spends and to drive business and to sort of use Target's tools better to drive their business at Target. And so that was the start. Worked great. We help brands all the way from top five CPGs all the way down to startup brands. We manage all their digital tactics back into Target. So that could be search, that can be circle, that could be roundel, any sort of digital touch point. But where we've scaled past that, your question on other retailers, is there's this trend in the industry with regional grocers as retail media capabilities have sort of gone down market. And so your mid-market grocers, your regional grocers now are aiming to build similar capabilities that your large nationals are. So they've seen what Target, Walmart, Kroger, Albertsons have done, and they want to do the same thing. And so we understand how to run that as a grocer, and so we provide those business services for regional grocers to help them launch, manage, and operate a retail media vertical within their grocery store. And is that all-encompassing
0: retail media, or is that largely around the couponing and the vouchers?
1: It can be all-encompassing. And so what I have learned is Digits, we have expertise on sort of all of those buckets, and one thing we're good at is talking with retailers about how they want to engage with their shoppers. And so obviously we have expertise on coupons, but not every grocery store has a loyalty vehicle and they might not want to invest in the tech and invest in the dollars that it takes to roll that out. And so some grocers are deep in a loyalty vehicle and we help them plan out coupons. Others, their focus is more offsite media where we're trying to drive traffic into the store with offsite media. So. The solution is customized and mixed and match based on the retailer and their digital acumen and their kind of resources that they have.
0: So, is that loyalty program essential for the couponing and voucher program, or is there not one there without a loyalty program, i.e., a grocer could have an app without having a loyalty program that has customer offers on it that are searchable?
1: You can have an app without a loyalty program, but then it's mostly just about delivery and pickup and sort of shopping the catalog ahead of time. We have found that. If you have a loyalty program with robust coupons, that's searchable, that's something you might want to spend time with as a shopper, even before your trip, then your number of sessions goes up, your time on sessions goes up. The reason somebody might come to you every day and open up your retailer app goes up versus only maybe every 10 days when they come shopping, right? Because- If you fill that thing with daily deals or different things, they might be like, oh, I I could go to the store today. What's in there, right? like, oh, there's 30% off my favorite dip. Okay, yeah, I'll make a trip today, right? I'll stop by after I drop the kids off. Versus if you don't have something like daily fresh content, then they might only open up your app hour before they're planning to go to the grocery store every two weeks.
0: Yeah. It's interesting because I think certainly when we were at Thomas Cook, we always looked at how we could... Really drive sales at the bottom end, whether that was incentivizing in a travel world. You've got agents that sit in stores. Could you potentially use some of the budget from that retail media piece to incentivize? Could you discount across product So, you know, you actually offer some discounts. And then do you actually declare that to a brand, to a partner, or do you sort of hide it within the margin on your retail media profit? So, actually, because it's down to you as a retailer to get the thing to work however you can. And actually, you know, is there a way of sort of driving discount and therefore performance and demonstrating performance for the whole of the retail media activity? Are you seeing much of that sort of full integration and being able to sort of pull those levers a bit using this process?
1: Yeah, I think at the big grocers, the more mature retail media, they have tactics full funnel. They have tactics to drive traffic. They have tactics to drive conversion once you're on site. And then they have tactics around price. Right, like at Target, it's it's the Circle program, right, where you you can use price and coupons to drive conversion. At the regional side, that's still advancing, that's still maturing. I would say most regional grocers have more so picked one that they want to develop really good capabilities on, probably based on the DNA of their retailer. And that's not a hard and fast rule. It's just it's hard to be good at everything. And if you're a regional grocer, you have so much budget, or your brand partners only have so much budget and you're kind of picked one that probably fits your DNA based on are you an upscale grocer that really wants to focus on great content and recipes and inspiration or are you a low price leader that maybe just focuses on traffic or are you a high low and then you need coupons right to sort of do that and so we've seen different regionals kind of focus on those and then over time as it's successful they'll stack in other capabilities to kind of grow out their whole box
0: yeah What are the sort of obviously there's some challenges there for those sort of mid range grocers? What are you seeing as the sort of core set of challenges these guys are
1: facing? I think it's two parts. One is the retail media know how, it's still a relatively new industry. And a lot of these regional grocers are based in towns where there might not be a ton of retail media talent. Conversely, I live in Minneapolis where Target and Best Buy are. So there's retail media teams of hundreds here. And so people that have been doing this for years, whether for Target or Best Buy or whomever, but regional grocers are often in smaller towns in different states, and they might not be able to easily hire a director or VP of retail media to understand how to roll this out. That's become a little easier with Zoom, right? With Google Meet, with people that can kind of work remotely, but that's part of why we exist is more of a contractor, sort of a fractional VP of retail media regional grocers to help them build strategy and roll this out. And then the other side is the technology. It's still pretty bespoke. I mean, you have tech partners like Acritio or a Citrus that can roll out pay-per-click search, which drives a lot of value and value for brands and also money for retailers. But if you're going to put together a full stack solution of offsite, plus onsite search, plus display, plus a coupon program, you're pulling in multiple tech partners and that takes. really advanced retail tech company that needs somebody at that retail that understands how to make this all. And that talent is tough. And so we have some retail partners that are really great at that, and they can pull that all together. And then others are fresher, newer to that game. Yeah. So generally, people in tech, I mean, wherever we go,
0: that tends to be the same thing. There's another piece there, which also sits with people and, I guess, tech, which is the commercialization of it all, is how do these guys actually, once they've got the tech, and how do they actually? package, price, you know, all those, train up the sort of people to go and sell it into their partners. Often, it gets overlooked, actually, that sort of strategic commercial piece.
1: How do you roadmap
0: it and how do you phase it in terms of a
1: rollout? Right. Yeah. the other part of that similar uh, change management that a lot of our merchant partners struggle with is they've been getting funding from brands for years, but most of that funding is historically been assigned in-store, and so if brands now want to fund something online, a lot of merchants are worried that they are, they're going to lose the money that drives them in-store. But the reality is there's budgets for online. And if you don't create tools for people to drive their online business or digital tactics is you'll eventually lose that money. It might not be one pot that kind of goes, but the online pot's getting bigger, the in-store pot's getting smaller. And so if you don't have tactics to drive the digital activations, you're eventually going to start to lose funding. And that can be tough to merchants because they're used to getting relatively large checks from these brands to help them fund displays, help them fund sales plans, fixtures, all that stuff in store, and kind of change managing that step by step is difficult. It's not just one big wave. It's sort of little cuts every year of kind of how that works.
0: And what is, I was going to ask you actually talking about that in-store digital thing, what is the balance between, what is the share at the moment for those sort of mid-range grocers? Are they very much more in-store
1: versus online? Oh yeah. From a pure business, like from a retail sales, it's probably 90% physical, 10% digital, digital being pickup or delivery. At your large boxes, like a Walmart or a Target or, or a Kroger Albertsons, it's closer to 80, 20, not all the brands, but you know, it's closer to that number. And so the regionals are catching up that way. They just haven't launched their services as early as the large guys did. And so they're kind of catching up. But they see that and they don't want to lose Mm. orders to the Walmart across the street because Walmart offers a great pickup program and they don't. And there's a certain set of customers. That's what they want, right? They want pickup. They don't want to have to walk in store. Even if they love your own brand food that you have at your regional grocery, they're like, well, sorry, I don't want to get out of my car, right? And so I'm going to just buy it at Walmart across the street. Yeah. So what about the innovation then in store? Are you seeing much in that space on the retail media side? Yeah, we see a lot of ideas and a lot of trials and a lot of pilots. Amazon specifically has tried a lot of stuff, which gets good headlines. Like their just walkout technology is pretty cool, both from a shopper technology point of view, but as a media guy, I'm more excited what it can do for media, because if I know all the people that are in the store and I can track their footprints, then I can also see what ads that they saw as well. And so I can bring closed-loop reporting and attribution back to physical ads, not just mobile or desktop. And that, I think, is going to be the huge unlock whenever that happens. And so then in the future, we could build programs and charge a retailer X amount of money for a sales plan, and we could actually attribute back and say, oh, yeah, Stuart walked by that sales plan. His eyeballs looked at that sales plan. (laughs) He saw your ad, and then he bought your product, right? And then we can actually attribute that back, just like we do digital ads. And so I think that's really cool, sort of the in-store physical attribution that you can kind of bring it into physical stores. Yeah, amazing. How far away are we from ubiquity where that's concerned? I mean, shoot, five, 10 years. I mean, I think as far as like actually being ruled out, right? Like retail media as it is today is five, 10 years old, right? And now it's off-site attribution is pretty chunky Like that's kind of just table stakes. So I'd say physical in-store attribution, it's going to be some time Even Amazon has piloted it, but that's not like at run rate. And so I think the biggest challenges will be most grocers actually getting cameras in stores, getting that technology. And so I hope that that rolls out You know, as from a media side, right? From a retail media guy, I think hope that rolls out, but we're still quite a ways away from that being actually at scale.
0: Yeah. I mean, we always do encourage our clients around not seeing sort of an in-store audience and an online audience, but just to see an audience. And whatever data you have on them, whether it's they've been searching for something online, is that you can still reach them in an in-store environment. How do you do that? Whether it's proximity mobile or, as you say, you know, potentially with Amazon side. So it's really interesting to see how that bit's going to evolve and how the mindset changes from, oh, that's my in-store media suite and this is my online media suite, and actually more into audiences that move around It's the same people.
1: Yeah, I think... There will be grocers that will figure out how to talk to their customers when they're in store, and that's difficult because they don't always have their phone open. A lot of grocers today don't actually know I'm in store until I check out. I check out, I'll scan my loyalty program, whatever it is, some identifier, my credit card, and then, oh, like, oh, Dave was just in the store. Yeah, I was probably in there for the last hour. So you can imagine a future where the retailer knows the minute you walk in or you pull in the parking lot and then how are they interacting with you during that next hour or so versus everything just post-purchase. And you asked about sort of innovation and new stuff. I think managing that time in store will need to be figured out and whether it's through computer vision or just in-store apps or text messages or whatever, Like, but managing that shopping process with digital media, I think will be interesting to see where that goes. Just with those Amazon stores though, as you're
0: tapping your card as you go in so it instantly recognizes you and you walk out that's where i think it starts to get very exciting because you can instantly link as you said you know exactly where that person is walking around the store but you know the minute they've walked in the store that they're there and then how do you then start tailoring message
1: yeah it's the physical equivalent of like critio so you know today on crit on target or whatnot if you type in Cereal, right? They can do pay per click on the top of the feed for search results. And so, if you thought about how does that translate to a physical environment, if somebody walks down the cereal aisle, how could you market to that person? Then, and it's a difficult thing because you also don't want to interrupt the shopping experience. So, I don't imagine somebody just getting a bunch of text messages, right? Like, we see you walked into cereal. Here's twenty percent off General Mills. But maybe whatever the happy equivalent of that situation would be i don't think it's been figured out yet but something along those lines might be the new invention
0: so how about the attribution piece how are you sort of doing that these days
1: what sort of tools are you using how are you doing it yeah as a where we're a retail partner attribution is great because retailers have so much data and if they're good at data science they can pull in algorithms and logic that would tell you how much a person was, you know, theoretically going to spend and who's seen the ads and then what does that project out to as far as attributed sales. So the retailers have amazing data and the good ones have found people or companies or agencies that can help them craft that out. We as digits, we're business services, meaning I guess we're not analytics. Like maybe that's a wing of the company I would need to start at some point, but that's not what we do today. We leverage the retailers and kind of coach from a business side, but that's not necessarily a service we provide as a brand. That's where it gets harder because retailers don't always want to give you their data, and so we have access to like top line metrics around you know units sold, days that they were sold, stores they were sold up, and so we can do trend analytics. But as brands, we don't actually get the shopper IDs, so we can't see the actual attribution so much. So it's more of a trend analysis and trying to do as much testing, maybe geo market testing and whatnot, that we can build algorithms and models to kind of share back to brands you know, where we think what tactics drove, what incremental sales. But it's a little harder. It's a little more art, I would say, on the brand side, because you just don't have all of the data, where it's more science as a retailer, because you have all of the data. It's just more figuring out what to do with it. You probably have more than you know what to do with. And so you need a good data scientist to pull it all together. Yeah. And then how does that actually translate to actionable
0: insight for a brand.
1: Right. Like, what are you actually going to do with it as a brand? Like, what tactics are you going to change? And what's tough as a brand is a lot of our brand partners have 20, 30 brands live, right? Like into target what works for one may or may not work for the other one. And it may or may not work at Walmart versus target. And so it takes really that expertise. What we provide is, again, deep, deep target expertise and being able to use both our science, our historical data, but then also our intuition of being there, working with them for so many years to know, well, at this brand, this is the tactics that's going to resonate with the shopper. And at maybe the other brand, you know, we don't think that will. And you need to try something different. Because most brands, when they launch into the shelf, if it's a new item, you've only got 90, 120 days to make it work. And so you can't test everything. You've got to make it work out of the gate. Otherwise, a retailer only got so much shelf space, they will cut you out quickly and find somebody else that wants to pay to have that shelf space that's going to actually sell.
0: And how are you doing audience segmentation at the moment? Is it still just based on what sort of online search or have you got anything more sophisticated in there? Is it built around the loyalty program? How are you doing all that piece?
1: If it's first party, it's using, you know, shopper history. So retailer history specifics and what people have bought that pulls apart audiences that way. So. A lot of category audiences, I mean, to use the cereal example, you know, people that have bought cereal at X Xgrocer, you can pull that apart by brands. So shoppers that have bought cereal, but maybe not my brand, and sort of kind of try to convert within the audience. So first-party audiences are super data rich. The other piece that we do as retailer helpers is third-party. And so we will craft third-party audiences using more mass market purchase data and then also geo history. And so we can build audiences based on where people's phones have been or where they currently are. And so we will build really specific retailer focused audiences using third party as well as a way to augment what first party audiences can do. So as a brand, I think it's important to sort of use both. You use yes, use retailers, audiences and a lot of history. But if you want to drive added shoppers and customers using third party helps you do that because you're also finding other ways to find new and different people as well. And what about for that audience extension piece? Is there anything new happening
0: there or is it still paid social and programmatic display? What are people doing that's new?
1: I mean, for us, the, most of the money is programmatic a little bit. I mean, yes, paid social, but in the retail media space, that's hasn't been as much because Facebook hasn't always been as open with their sales attribution as like, programmatic is. And so... It's a little bit more of a black box in dollars where programmatic's pretty open. I'd say what's new, like if you if we're gonna talk again in a couple of years, I'd say connected TV is gonna be the next big frontier. And so obviously brands spend money on TV always have, but to be able to take the same slicing and dicing of audiences and serve somebody on their big screen, right, during a football game or during whatever show they like to watch. With a non skippable ad. Yeah. Yeah, a non-skippable, great creative, really inspiring somebody to hopefully buy something they haven't before versus a lot of retail media is just pack shots and a couple of words, which is good, but it's not the same as a a 20-second spot that actually shows you a product and explains it and gives you some emotion about it. And so that's coming. A lot of retailers have opened up their data sets to CTV, connected TV. And so brands have used that at the national level. And I think now they're starting to figure out how to use it at the retailer level, more bottoms up individual retailer campaigns. And so we're piloting that with brands now and brands that have innovation budgets are leading in with us to give that a shot and sort of see how that works at retailer levels. But I imagine that that's going to grow as a percentage of engagements quite a bit over the next couple of years. Yeah, I mean, we're buying a lot for our clients now. I would imagine, yeah, in the travel industry, that would be very inspirational. You're not going to just show somebody a picture of a destination and they're going to go there tomorrow, right? If I need to inspire them a little more. Yeah, and it's semi-measurable, but in terms
0: of people who don't click on it, but they'll double screen while they're watching connected TV. So really exciting area. But the great thing about it is that often, often TV would take up such a huge chunk of the budget that actually it just wouldn't be put on a schedule because... The retailer doesn't have enough, you know, unless they were doing a big, big, big partnership, there's not enough budget to use TV. But with connected TV, because you're buying on an impression level, you can actually include it as a smaller amount on an integrated campaign. And that's huge. I mean, it's it's a challenge for the TV companies as linear TV audiences decline. But with connected TV and the sheer volume of advertisers all sort of spending small amounts, but they add up, there's a huge opportunity within connected TV for those TV companies to go after retail media budgets.
1: Huge. Absolutely. I mean, even I'm the kind of person who I think needs to see how things work a little bit to kind of like feel about it. And so, I mean, Hulu has their own DSP. Like you can go in and actually buy ads with by zip code in your own DSPs, DIY. Like if you were a local service provider, a cleaning company, a plumber or whatnot, and you wanted to run ads in your zip code on Hulu, you could do that for whatever budget you want. I just think that's amazing. And so you multiply that out at scale at like a grocery level and to be able to do that and within a couple of miles of all your grocery stores, whether you're a regional grocer, national grocer or whatnot, it's a great tactic to be able to educate and inspire people with recipes and with other sort of ways to get them to come into your store. And then actually you can track them back if the retailer's got their data connected too.
0: David, probably last question because I know we've got to let you get back to your day job, but I think one of the great pieces of advice given the experience you've got is if somebody was coming in and wanting to sort of set up their own retail media piece within a mid-level grocer in the States, what top three pieces of advice would you give them?
1: Yeah, I think the first is try to understand what your shopper wants. Like, are they just looking for, do you already have great delivery capabilities and they just need some off-site media? So I would, interested with the shopper wants, I would talk to your vendors about what they've seen work other places. So your top five, 10 CPG vendors love to talk about digital and they all have people on their teams that are digital. And so they all want their time, if you will, with the retailer. So I would reach out to a few of them you trust, have some planning sessions, understand what they're seeing out there to inform your strategy. And then lastly, I would look for experts in the field. And so that's a little bit self-serving with us. But if you've never run a retail media organization before as a grocer, it's tough to launch it out and manage it. So whether that's digits, that's somebody else that's hiring somebody that's been at an Albertsons or whatnot, I mean, the talent is starting to get out there now. And so I would find some before and figure out the right way to help them make you move faster. Yeah. Brilliant. Thanks, David. Talent so important.
0: Well, look, thank you so much, David, for gracing our Retail Media Moguls podcast. We're thrilled to have you back in the future to come and talk to us about developments in the sector. And maybe we can re-examine the connected TV piece and then also the sort of in-store data piece but it's been great having you on thank you so much for taking the time and I'll see you soon sounds great great to talk to you the retail media moguls podcast is brought to you by platform 195 to learn more about platform 195 and how to connect retail media with intelligent marketing to accelerate growth visit platform 195.com and then make sure to search for retail media moguls in Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And on behalf of the team here at Platform 195, thanks for listening.